Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. I was just a little bit late coming in because I was so busy saying hi to people coming into church. That can't be a bad thing, can it? Not at all, not at all. So hello, everyone. As Nate Landis said a couple of months back when he stood up, he said, hi, church. <laughs> Here we are. Friends, it is a pleasure and privilege and joy to welcome all of you who are gathered today. Whether you're here for the very first time or you've been coming for many decades, whether you're here in person or here online, all are welcome to be part of the fellowship and life of the Village Church and by extension then the Church of God in Jesus Christ. Let us come to worship then, prepared to shape the worth of the living God and let us remember God and remember our purpose as we say together the words of the fifth psalm. Give ear to our words, O Lord. Give heed to our sighing. O Lord, in the morning you hear our voice. In the morning we plead our case to you and watch. But we, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. We will bow down toward your holy temple in awe of you. Lead us, O Lord, in your righteousness and make your way straight before us. Let us worship God. Indeed, God has done great things. One of the greatest, from our perspective, is offering his love and forgiveness and renewal. So let us come before God and pray corporately together our confession of sin. Merciful God, you made us in your image with a mind to know you, a heart to love you, and a will to serve you. But our knowledge is imperfect our love inconstant, our obedience incomplete. Day by day we fail to grow into your likeness, yet you are slow to be angry with your children. For the sake of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior, do not hold our sins against us, but in your tender love forgive. Amen. Friends, this statement is completely reliable and should be universally accepted. 
that Christ Jesus entered the world to rescue us from our sin. In Christ, God has defeated the power of death and evil and offers to us a new life of redemption, a life of joy, a life of righteous living. Let us hear and believe the good news of the gospel that in Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Amen. And so now may the peace of Christ be with you. Find ways to share that peace with all whom you meet today and in all the other days of your life. In fact, figure out a way to do it now, like this, peace. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, friends, as we begin our worship, it's like the families coming together and we get straight with each other and we want to make sure that everybody knows what's going on in the family. So let me mention just a couple of things very briefly. A week from this coming Tuesday on October 26th, we will have a congregational meeting via Zoom for the purpose of electing new elders and deacons and nominating committee members. We need you to attend. It should be fairly brief. The link to that Zoom meeting was in yesterday's email and will be in future emails, but please reserve that time on your calendar as you are able. Next Sunday, Neil and Jan will be back with us. They are both on vacation and away for different business purposes today. And next Sunday, Neil, following this service, will present a report about his recent trek along the Camino de Santiago in Spain. If you'd like to attend, we'd like to know that you're coming. Simply email Holly Crawford about that. Two weeks from today is Reformation Sunday and All Hallows' Eve and, incidentally, Halloween. But let me tell you that two weeks from today, the plan is for yours truly to be preaching at the National Evangelical Church, the First Presbyterian Church in Damascus. And we hope to be able to offer to you via a recorded message that same sermon that will be played over the screens. So we hope that you come. We hope that you will express the connection of the church around the world in that way. And by the way, we would encourage your prayers for the Outreach Foundation team that is already now in Lebanon and some traveling to Lebanon, and I will be joining them, the Lord willing, uh, beginning uh, tomorrow. So pray for us as we bring your greetings and your support and your encouragement to fellow Christians in Lebanon and in Syria. How many of you early in the week received the letter from us that was labeled Together in Hope? How many of you got it? All right, check your mail. How many of you opened it? <laughs> Excellent. How many of you are praying about your faithful financial giving for next year? A few less are praying than open the envelopes. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> Our theme for this year's stewardship campaign is Together in Hope, and we take that theme from many places in Scripture, but especially this one this year in the 17th chapter of John. Jesus is praying and speaking with his disciples in a way at the same time as he says that the glory that you have given me, I have given them so that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. The reason that the church exists, the reason that you are part of the church of Jesus Christ, is not only to receive Christ's love for yourself, but then to share that love with everyone. We do that as we worship, we do that as we study, as we pray, we do that as we give in all the different meanings of that word. This is why I go to the Middle East. This is why you go where you go, to share the love of Christ. So remember that love that gives us hope and that shares that hope with others as you think about your faithful giving for the coming year. One of the best expressions of that love that I can think of is in the ministry of an organization called SAT7. I'd like to ask Ray Heinen, Ray, would you start coming forward, please? 
For many years now, our church has been privileged to participate in the ministry of SAT7, and Ray is no stranger to us. He's here to share with us a little bit about that work. Ray, good to have you with us, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Well, good morning. Twenty-five years ago, SAT7 started as two hours of broadcasting in the Middle East and North Africa. The Middle East, where is a place of rich, of many things, heritage, families, crisis, and it keep continuing and keep going. With all of that, some of you may uh, recall and remember that Jesus was born in the Middle East, so we got some good things from the Middle East, right? <laughs> now, we are right now, it's time for us to give it back to the Middle East and try to give hope to people who are in crisis in places like Iran, Afghanistan, Syria, and Iraq, and different other places around that time. 25 countries in the Middle East, we've been broadcasting God's love 24-7 in three languages. That's Arabic, Farsi, and Turkish. And the last year, I'm just uh, are very curious to give you some statistics about how the engagement of that ministry. Our main goal is to make God's love available for about 500 million people, over 200 million homes who have at least one television that you can watch the message free, uncensored, and impactful as well. Last year only, just to tell you that we have over 25, maybe 30 million viewers, last year only, listen to that, and that's probably will be a good uh, encouragement word for you before the service starts, and then after the service, I'll be there to answer your questions and give you more about that uh, if you wish to stay and uh, to, to eat a late lunch afterwards. Engagement of 2020, listen to that, it got increased 90% to sat seven kids. So if 10 million people, 10 million kids were watching, that got increased only in 2020, 90%. For the Turkish channel, one of the very least uh, countries to receive the gospel, 120%. To the educational channel, SAT7 Academy, that's the initiative we started a few years ago for the kids in Iraq and Syria and all over the, the Arab world to, because they don't go to school, there is no, so it's an online education. It got increased 328 times. So the return of uh, your prayers and sacrificial giving is more than what you think. It's amazing. There is a lot of stories from all over the place. I can't wait until I share it with you after the service. May God bless you and bless the partnership we have with Village Church. Great. Thank you, Ray. Stay here a second with us. Let's pray for Ray. God, we thank you that in Ray's ministry, you are shining your light into places that, just like here, badly need to hear the gospel of grace and renewal and redemption. Mm. We pray your blessing upon all of the ministry of SAT7, and thank you for faithful and courageous servants who conduct that ministry, and then for the faith that it engenders in so many people who are hungry for a word of hope and renewal and healing. May all of it be to your glory and to the increase of your kingdom in the world for the sake of the King Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. And by the way, I'm jealous that you're going tomorrow, so enjoy that. I will. <laughs> Ray is going to be speaking following this service in the Fellowship Center, and we'll be able to take your questions, and you can have a good conversation with him. So plan to head on, the, uh, on over there after worship. Thank you, Ray.
Who knew that bells could be hip? I mean, wow, cool. <laughs> Friends, join me now in a time of prayer. Almighty God, you give us the privilege not only of knowing you in our lives, but also of speaking with you and to you and hearing from you, and better yet, having you hear from us. We do not take this privilege lightly. We do not take it for granted. So hear our prayers as we offer these words, first in the few that I shall offer on our behalf, and then in those words that your Son taught us. Lord, we have come to praise you and to thank you for the beautiful and the good, for the healthy and the well. There is so much in our world that we must celebrate. There is the love of family and friends. There are those who offer themselves to you not only to serve in the life of the church, but to serve in medicine, in education, in law, in producing food, and providing shelter. Indeed, so often we look past these blessings only at the things that do not work, and of course we lift them before you as well. We do not need to read to you the headlines of the morning newspaper. We do not need to tell you how badly the world is hurting because you know. We do lift before you, God, all those places of brokenness that need your healing, all those places of darkness that need your light, all those places of hatred that need your love. We realize that we are part of this world, both for good and for ill. And so as we lift the world before you, we lift ourselves before you for your correction, your guidance, your healing, your renewal, your strength and encouragement and hope that we might be part of what you are doing to remake the world that you love. So take these prayers, O Lord, and hear them all as they are summarized, as they are expressed in the depth of our hearts and minds using the words that your Son taught us to say. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Friends, stand with me now as you are able, so that together we may hear and receive God's word as we find it recorded in the Old Testament book of Genesis and then in the letter to the Galatians. Now the man knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have produced a man with the help of the Lord. Next she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a tiller of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel for his part brought of the firstlings of his flock their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is lurking at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. Cain said to his brother Abel, Let us go out to the field. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it will no longer yield to you its strength. You will be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Today you have driven me away from the soil and I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and anyone who meets me may kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. Whoever kills Cain will suffer a sevenfold vengeance. And the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who came upon him would kill him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. My friends, if anyone is detected in a transgression, you who have received the Spirit should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Take care that you yourselves are not tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if those who are nothing think they are something, they deceive themselves. All must test their own work, then that work, rather than their neighbor's work, will become a cause for pride, for all must carry their own loads. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I don't know what you do, but sometimes late at night when I'm tired and don't really have the mental energy to read or do something productive, I simply lie in bed and flip through the channels until I come on an old movie that I've already seen 800 times and then I start watching it again. Do any of you do that? Some of you at least. One of my favorites is Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump tells the story of Forrest Gump, how he grows up as a child, sort of out in the sticks in Alabama, mostly by himself, encountering all the challenges that he faces, both physically and in some sense mentally, we might say. Forrest really only has one friend that you know about, a girl named Jenny, who also, we later find out, grows up with her own challenges. Forrest's life takes him all over the place into some improbable situations, and he and Jenny, even though they love each other, have a hard time finding a way to be with each other. But eventually, Jenny comes back to Alabama, and as the two adults reminisce and share and kindle their friendship again, they go for a walk. 
they happened to come upon the house where Jenny grew up. It's a ramshackle wooden shack, really. It's deserted now. And as Jenny looks on the house where she had her childhood, she begins to weep. Then she begins to get angry, uncontrollably angry. From her anger and from the obvious pain that's inside of her, she reaches down for a handful of rocks and begins pelting that old structure with rocks, breaking windows that have already been broken. And eventually she dissolves into a puddle on the ground, completely emotionally overcome by the memories of home. We are talking about home this fall. We're talking about restoring a sense of home in our pandemic fractured world. We're talking about finding a sense of home again in ourselves and our souls, finding home again with each other, finding especially home with God. But let's admit something. Let's name something for what it is right now. Sometimes home is a pace of pain and suffering and brokenness and sin and evil. For Jenny, that must have been what home was. For some of us here today, that might be what home was or still is. And for all of us, in some way or another, perhaps not as graphically, not as tragically, not as destructively, but in some way or another, all of us come from broken homes because we have homes made of people, and people are broken. This beautiful world and all of the things in it are sometimes not so beautiful. That's why we always turn to the stories of Scripture that explain to us, in some sense, why things are the way they are, Sometimes all Genesis can do is observe things the way they are without a complete explanation because there is a mystery to life, there is a mystery to who we are, there is a mystery even to who God is. The second two human beings, as Genesis tells it, are Cain and Abel. Cain is a farmer, Abel is a sheep herder. And they both bring their offerings from what they have produced so that they can worship God. And for some reason, God accepts Abel's offering, but not Cain's. There's no rhyme or reason to God's response, really. We're not told why God has regard for the one and not for the other. That's left as a mystery. Perhaps Genesis wanted to blame God. You have to read the rest of the story, though, to observe that that's probably not the case. What Genesis does observe is that that's just the way life is. Sometimes life is not fair. Sometimes life does not exist in a way that we would want it to exist. The story is more about Cain than it is anybody else, and Cain in his relationship with God and with his brother. That's where the real problem is. Cain's relationship with his brother. Now, we've just been told that Adam and Eve, and then by extension, of course, Cain and Abel, have been created in the image of God. They have been created as free and self-directing persons. Cain was given the opportunity to respond to his relationship with Abel. 
and what he chooses is to promote himself and to destroy his brother. Don't raise your hands. Don't even avert your eyes. But have any of you in this room ever experienced a problem in dealing with another human being? You nodded your head. You shouldn't have done that. <laughs> of course we have. Genesis presents to us the problem that we all know, the problem of dealing with other human beings. Cain does what human beings sometimes do. And so God pronounces Cain's guilt, and then God gives out his justice, his judgment. Cain is terrified by what that means. Cain worries that God, in God's judgment, rightly given, that Cain is going to face the same kind of destruction one day that Abel has faced at Cain's own hand. But God puts his mark upon Cain. It's a two-sided sort of thing. It is the mark of justice. It is the mark of judgment. It is the mark that says, Cain, you are a fallen human being. But Cain, God still loves you. God offers both his judgment and his grace. Grace that will offer to Cain continued life and the continued opportunity to master the evil that came for him, the evil that conquered him, one day perhaps Cain will learn how to treat his brother. When Cain kills Abel, Cain decreates what God has created, but God redeems what God has created as he judges and then still loves Cain. We have to think about what Galatians says about this whole process because Cain and Abel was just the beginning of the story. We have to keep reading the story. Early Christians understood all too well that we sin. There's nobody excluded from the we. But we also understand that God is about the business of restoring things. And so we begin to learn the process that God gives where in a spirit of gentleness with the Spirit of God in us, we seek to bring hope and healing and renewal in our relationships with each other. Galatians says that we are to bear one another's burdens. We're not given the option of which burdens or whose burdens, only that we are to bear each other's burdens. That means we are meant to deal well with other people's failure, other people's sin. That's what bearing burdens is all about. But then Galatians flips the coin to the other side and says all must test our own work, that we must take care that we ourselves are not tempted. What does that mean? That means that as much as we work at bearing with the sin of others, we must work at not imposing our sin on others and causing them to bear what they have to bear only if we do not deal well with ourselves. Let me say that again. In bearing each other's burdens, we put up with each other. We deal with the consequences of other people's sin in our lives. In looking to our own sin and testing our own work and taking care that we ourselves are not tempted, we do our best not to sin so that others will have to deal with it and bear with us. We are called to be bearers of the burden, not creators of the burden. Cain asks a question. What a great question. Am I my brother's keeper? We would do well to ask ourselves that question 
a hundred times a day? Because the answer is yes. The answer is that we are meant to keep our brothers, not only to deal with the sin that is in all of them, but to deal with the sin that is in us and to begin to allow the healing and renewing power work of God to make us into people who do not need to be born with, but who instead are better at bearing with others. Now that's a familiar story to Christians. We've grown up learning that we are sinners, that we need to repent, we need God's forgiveness. But part of our failure in all of that is that we fail to recognize and confront all of our sin. We have learned that if we can just confess a little bit of sin, that maybe God will forget about the rest of it. We have learned that if we can be sad and sorry and work on a few things, maybe God won't notice and we can get by with the rest. At least that's the way I am. I'm projecting on you. I'm sure none of you are as bad as I am. I say, God, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that word just now. God, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have gone two miles an hour over the speed limit right now. Can we just leave it at that, God? I don't want to know about the rest of my sin, the hard sins. I don't want to know about how I steal from others, how I lie to others, how I cheat others. I just want to deal with my tiny little personal sins and not the big ones and not the ones that infect us all. And that's a sin. That does not live up to the world that God made for us. That does not live up to the image that God built into me or into you. We have to think about our deep sin inside of us and by extension in the whole world. There is such a thing, we say, as corporate sin, sin in which we all participate, whether we want to or not, whether we know it or not. We were born into the world where sin existed. The only two people who were ever born into the world where sin did not exist were people who were not born, but people who were created. As the story is told, don't worry about the legalities of the science. This is poetry. This is theology. This is not science. The first two people born into the world, Cain and Abel, were born into a sinful world. Their parents had made it that way, and our parents have made it that way, and we are making it that way for others. We cannot escape it. But that does not mean we cannot do something about it. We all live in cultures that sometimes tolerate the abuse of women and children. We all live in cultures that sometimes denigrate and dehumanize and oppress people of a different race or a different national origin. And it makes no difference where you're born or in what period of time you are born, that fact exists. We all live in cultures that economically exploit weaker, less developed peoples. We all live in cultures that invade and conquer and expand our empire or are being invaded and conquered by others. We all live in cultures that tolerate hunger and disease and poverty of others while enjoying abundance for ourselves. We all live in cultures that hide the truth and lie to ourselves about the truth. That is the way it is. To say that that is what is does not mean that is what should be or that is what will be. Several weeks ago, I mentioned one of the six reasons for the existence of the church of Jesus Christ, which happens to be you and me. One of those six reasons, as expressed in an early eight, uh, 20th century statement of the church, is that we are here for the purpose of promoting social righteousness. 
We're here because we're about the business of being right in ourselves and bringing that rightness to our families, to our cities, to our states, to our nations, and eventually to the whole world. That's a reason that the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ give for us to exist. And so if, if we are ever going to be at home in this world, if we are going to be at home with God, if we are going to be at home with each other, we must fix our broken homes. We're broken in ourselves, and we need God's help. We're broken in our families. We're broken in every way. But God offers the hope of redemption and renewal. In this morning's devotional message that was sent out to those of you on our email list, there was a quote from Eugene Peterson who said that there is no wellness until everyone is restored to a place of blessing. And he's right. There is no wellness until everyone is restored to a place of blessing. That's what the promotion of social righteousness is all about. Bringing wellness into those places where it does not exist. Bringing wellness so that one day all of us can be well, because until all of us is well, none of us is truly well. When Jenny confronted the brokenness of her home by screaming and crying and throwing rocks, then do you remember what Forrest did? He had it bulldozed to the ground. We must confront and then destroy the evil, the sin that is in us and in our world. We don't have the luxury of calling on a big machine to come and do it for us. But we do have the responsibility of honest confrontation of the sin that is in us and around us. We do have the responsibility of working to change. We do have the responsibility of seeking the good of others. We do have the responsibility of learning to keep our brothers and sisters rather than to kill them. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus' followers do. Do you think God is big enough to do that? Do you think that God plans for us to help? I do. Stand with me now and let us affirm our faith together in words taken from the sixth chapter of the letter to the Romans. What then are we to say? Should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin go on living in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Amen.
you need some keeping today? Do you need to do some keeping today? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and bring you his peace today and always. Let God's people say together, Amen. Amen.